Good morning, Grace. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians. Today we're starting a new series called Joy Killers. And I'm praying throughout this series that a gospel riot will happen here at Grace in our hearts. That the gospel will come into our hearts and break the storefront windows of our hearts and loot us. Those things that we hold on to so that we can be set free and so that our joy will be full. So that's my prayer coming into the book of Galatians, even though it's a very dark uh, sermon graphic, it is all about joy. And we'll see, because Paul is writing to the Galatian church, there are joy killers that have invaded the Galatian church. We'll find out what that's about in a moment, but let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that you... Love drawing sinners into your presence because of your son. You love exchanging our sin for your son's righteousness. You love to cover sinners with your son's righteousness. You love to look down upon us and see us as blameless. It thrills your heart when you look at us because we're pure in your eyes. We're blameless, even though we sin all day, every day, all the time. Yet you look upon us with joy because of your Son. So we now ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to direct our hearts to your word, that we could see your Son once again, and that you would get great glory. So do that now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In his book, Queen of Scots, The True Life of Mary Stuart, Author John Guy describes the clumsy beheading of the queen and what happened after the executioner lifted Queen Mary's head into the air. And it was a clumsy execution. The executioner's name was Bull, not the name of the executioner that you want, I suppose. But he butchered the execution, no pun intended, because it took him several whacks to complete the job. After it happened, John Guy writes this. And then the final twist. As the executioner lifted up the head, Mary's auburn curls and white cap became detached from her skull. The illusion of monarchy dissolved as the executioner found himself clutching a handful of hair while the head fell back to the floor, rolling like a misshapen football toward the spectators who saw that it was very gray and near bald. Suddenly, everything was clear. The Queen of Scots had worn a wig. The law of God is like an executioner's axe. It's like a guillotine or guillotine, however you pronounce it, wherever you're from. The law of God comes and exposes us For who we are, glory thieves. Just as Mary, Queen of Scots, was exposed and shown upon her death, not to have long, luscious red and auburn locks, but rather short, gray, balding hair, we too are exposed by the cutting force of the law. We are glory thieves. 
we rob God of his glory and we set up little kingdoms of self, little kingdoms of me, where we want all of life to be about us. We live with the illusion of monarchy where we rule as king of our little kingdom. The Galatian churches struggled with this too. They were focused on a legalistic gospel that highlighted their performance for God and not Jesus' performance for them. They were believing a false gospel, a distorted gospel that made their little kingdom of self to be the center of life. Paul Tripp says, And we in our own sin are just a company of glory thieves. That's what we are. We're glory thieves. We take the glory that belongs to another for our own. And when you name yourself as glorious, it's very easy to name the people around you as inglorious and be okay with that. The self-righteousness of legalism beheads the gospel. It's the ultimate religious guillotine. The Galatian churches were believing a false gospel promoted by false teachers that was essentially beheading the gospel, if you will. And it was ultimately beheading the joy that the gospel would have stirred in the hearts of the Galatians. Anytime a group of people sever themselves from Jesus Christ, the head of the church, they behead the gospel and it will kill their joy in Jesus Christ. Anytime you disconnect from Jesus and what he has done for you and you focus on you and your performance for him, how much you read the Bible, how much you pray, how much you give, how much you serve, anytime you do that, and focus on your performance that you do for him and not what he has done for you, then you prove and you show by your nature what you really are, a glory thief. Anytime you focus on you and your little kingdom, you are robbing God of the glory due his name. And because we do this, we prove that we need rescue. We prove that we need the rescue that only the gospel can provide. We need to be rescued daily from our little kingdoms of self. We need to be rescued every single day from our little kingdoms of self. That's the big idea of today's sermon, and that's the big idea of the book of Galatians. Anytime we build up our own little kingdoms, anytime we refuse and resist our daily need of rescue, it will do one thing. It will kill our joy. It will kill gospel-centered joy. Our refusal to see that we need to be daily rescued by Jesus, our Redeemer, will put our necks in a guillotine, and it will kill our joy. And that's why this series is called Joy Killers. And that's why the new sermon graphic looks like a horror movie poster. And that's why our new sermon graphic has the following taglines. They will bewitch you. They will unsettle you. They will kill your joy. Who's the they? 
Why do I say that they will do these things to you? Why do I say that you need to be on the lookout for joy killers? Who wants to kill your joy? I'm glad you asked. Turn quickly to Galatians chapter 4 verse 15. And let me show you where all of this joy killer talk is coming from. Galatians chapter 4 verse 15. Paul says this. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Now you may be thinking, that verse says nothing about joy being killed. But let me show you that it does. I preached from the English Standard Version, which I just read. But the Greek could be translated the way a few translations capture it. The New English Translation, or the Net Bible, translates Galatians 4.15 this way. Where then is your sense of happiness now? Or the New Century Version. You were very happy then, but where is that joy now? You see, the Galatian churches to which Paul ministered were so grateful for the gospel and Paul's ministry that they would have done anything for him, even taken a knife and gouged out their eyes and given them to Paul. They were so overwhelmed with the gospel, so overwhelmed with Paul's ministry that they would have taken a knife and gouged out their very eyes and handed them over to the apostle. You have to wait till chapter 4 and we'll talk about what that means. But what happened to the Galatians? How come they changed? What happened to their joy? What happened to the joy that they once felt when they heard and embraced the gospel? I will propose in this sermon and in this sermon series that someone killed their joy. Someone pulled out a knife and plunged it deep down into their joy. Someone came into the Galatian churches and what they were doing and saying actually contributed to the killing of of the gospel-centered joy that they once enjoyed. We'll talk about it more in the coming weeks, but let me briefly explain who these joy killers were that had invaded the Galatian churches. The people responsible for killing the joy of these Galatian believers were a group of monsters known as the Judaizers. These individuals, these monsters, were Jewish people who came into Gentile churches. And this is somewhere around A.D. 48, 49, or 50 when Paul is writing. These Judaizers invaded Gentile churches and told Gentile Christians that they must adhere to the Mosaic law. And that the men and the boys must be circumcised in order to really be saved. These Judaizers said that the civil and ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were still to be observed by Christians. So they would come to your small group and look at the tag on the back of your church and say, don't you know it says in Deuteronomy that we're not to wear clothing made of two different fabrics? Uh, uh, uh. And they said that these Gentile believers must do these things in order to gain favor with God and in order to maintain that favor. The false gospel that they preached is in direct opposition to the only true gospel. The gospel is the good news because it tells us that sinners are made right with a holy God because of his grace. Not what we do, not our obedience to the law. Broken 
rebellious sinners like you and me are made right with a holy God because of what Jesus has done for us. Or as you've heard me say many times, Jesus lived the life that we could never live because we're sinners. And Jesus died the death that we deserve because we're sinners. No sinner is ever saved from the wrath of a holy God because of what they do or don't do. Sinners are only saved based on what Jesus has done for us. And the Judaizers that crept into the churches scattered throughout Galatia were preaching a false gospel that said you can earn your way to God. They preached a false gospel that said if you strictly obey and adhere to the ceremonial and the civil laws of the Old Testament, then you'll be saved. Then you'll really be a Christian. And what did this false gospel do to the Galatians? It killed their joy. It stuck a knife deep down into their affections. It slit the throat of their joy. It killed their joy because legalism always kills joy. Legalism always kills joy. You can see it on people's faces that have bought into legalism. They're the most unhappiest people on the earth. Any form of man-made rule keeping that says God will love you more if you obey certain rules will kill your joy. Any form of man-made rules that says you are better and more holy than others if you obey certain rules will stick a knife deep down into your joy and bleed you dry. More on that in the coming weeks. But here's the point that Paul is driving home throughout this letter and in the opening of this letter, and it's this. We need to be rescued daily from our little kingdoms of self. Christianity is about Jesus' performance. It all comes through Jesus. It all comes from Jesus. It's all because of Jesus, and it's all for Jesus. But we want to make Christianity about us. That's the human tendency. And that's what the Galatian churches were struggling with. They began to slip into performance mode. They began to make the focus of the Christian life about their performance for God and not Jesus' performance for them. Look at verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our salvation is all about the glory of God. It is all about what Jesus has done for us and not what we ever do for him. Christianity is not about us. It's about living for a kingdom bigger than you. And Paul shows us that by the way he begins his letter to the Galatians. In Greek, it's this. Paul, apostle, not. 
Paul knows that it's in our DNA to take all the credit. Paul knows that human hearts, because of Adam's sins, are hardwired to take all the credit and to get all the glory. And that's why Paul says he's an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul didn't come up with this idea of being an apostle. It was God's doing. It was all God's plan. It was all due to Jesus, and Paul had nothing to do with it. And that's why he says he is an apostle, not from men, nor through man. Paul wasn't about building his own kingdom. It wasn't about Paul's credentials. Paul wasn't commissioned by any man. Paul's credentials did not come through some seminary or because he had a PhD in the Hebrew language or because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And if anyone had reason to boast, Paul says in Philippians 3, he does. He has an impressive resume. Impressive to us, not impressive to God. Paul's gospel was not about him and all that he did for God. Paul's gospel was all about what Jesus had done for sinners and not what they did for him. And this gospel came, as Paul says in verse 1, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul was not on a quest for self-sufficiency. He was desperately dependent on the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came back from the dead. Paul was connected to all the kingdom of God. And that's why he mentions, and all the brothers who are with me. Paul, unlike the Judaizers, knew that the kingdom of God involved the people of God who had gathered around the risen Messiah, Jesus. That was the center of Christianity. As John Piper says, the center of Christianity is the dishonorable, foolish, gruesome, and utterly glorious reality of the tortured God-man, Jesus Christ. The closer you get to what makes Christianity ghastly, the closer you get to what makes it glorious. Paul was drawn to the center of Christianity. Jesus Christ, brutally crucified, gloriously resurrected. And he wants the Galatians to experience that grace. Look at verses 3 and 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Galatians had been drinking the Kool-Aid of the Judaizers. They were falling for legalistic lies that they could do things to impress God. They were falling for the lies that they could do things to get God to approve of them, to smile upon them, to earn his favor. They were drinking the Kool-Aid of the Judaizers, which I suppose was called legalistic lemon. And like all legalism and man-made rule-keeping, it is a bitter, sour pill to swallow. And that's why Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Galatian churches needed grace and peace from God. They needed a refresher on the gospel. The Galatian churches forgot what grace was, and therefore they had no peace in their life. And because they forgot about God's grace and peace, their joy was killed by legalism. 
the Galatian churches thought they could earn God's favor by keeping the Old Testament law. They thought that circumcision would gain them favor with God, and they lost sight of the gospel, that justification is by God's grace through faith and not through our works. God's grace and his peace comes to sinners like you and me in the gospel, in the person of Jesus, not through law. Legalism says, I can obey and be good enough. But the self-justification of legalism will always take the law of God, which no one can keep, and suddenly say, it's a doable standard. The Judaizers who had infiltrated the Galatian churches believed that human beings could keep the law of God, but they failed to understand the purpose of God's law. The purpose of the law was to expose our sin, to set before us the holiness of God and the righteous standards of his law. The law was given to devastate us and then to drive us to Jesus, the Redeemer. The law comes like a guillotine and slams down on our hearts and exposes us for who we are. Glory thieves who want to be the kings of our own little kingdoms. But then it drives us to see that our deepest, greatest need is for rescue. Verse 4 describes Jesus, our Redeemer, as the one who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. The word delivers the word rescue, to redeem. Jesus came to rescue sinners who are seriously messed up because of sin. We need rescuing from sin, from the monster inside of us. We need rescuing from the wrath of a holy God because we are rebels. We're disobedient. We need rescuing from our sin and the consequences of our sin. We need rescuing from this present evil age. We need rescuing from the curse of the law. We need rescuing from us. You need rescuing from you. And Jesus is the only one who can rescue us. We cannot rescue ourselves even though we all try so desperately to do so. Our rescuing was all done of God's grace. We didn't deserve it, and we couldn't earn it. It was all due to God, and therefore all glory is due to God. As Paul says in verses 4 and 5, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. It was all due to God's grace, therefore he gets all the glory. Here's the problem. We're glory thieves. We love trying to be our own saviors. And that's what the Galatian churches were trying to do. They wanted to be their own savior through their performance. They wanted to try and keep the law. They wanted to try and keep all of these man-made rules. They believed the false gospel of the Judaizers that acting and living a certain way secured more favor, more blessing from God. They believed that they could try harder, do more, and be better, be their own savior. But the gospel comes 
and turns that kind of thinking upside down. We were rescued because of Jesus, and therefore all glory goes to Jesus. Our rescue has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. He gave himself to rescue us. And Jesus did that by, one, living the life that we could never live because we're sinners. That's his, what scholars call his active obedience, that he obeyed all of the law. He was perfect without sin. And he rescues us by dying the death that we all deserve because we're sinners. That's called his passive obedience. He died and took the curse of the law upon himself, even though he didn't deserve it. Christian life, if you haven't figured it out yet, is all about what Jesus has done for us and not what we have or haven't done for him. God gets the glory in our salvation. Not you, not me. Forever the spotlight will be on Jesus and what he has done. The spotlight is never to be on you or me. It's all about Jesus and not our performance We love to get on the performance treadmill, don't we? I can work and earn his love. If I just read the Bible enough, oh, he'll love me more today. But if I don't read it, his love will dissipate. We love to get on the performance treadmill, don't we? It's just in our DNA. Adam was called to do this and live. Don't eat from that tree. Enjoy all of this. And that kind of thinking is in our blood. If I can just do this, we got that from Adam. I can obey and get to God. I can obey and earn his favor. I can obey and earn his love. If I obey, he will love me. So I must work, 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 work for his approval. And that's why we need to be rescued daily from our little kingdoms of self. Even as believers, if you're a Christian, we have this monster inside of us that has infected us. We think we can do things to earn God's approval. It's self. It's the kingdom of self. It's in our DNA. We think that we can work for God and somehow get him to love us more. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I've got to do more, try harder, and then and then he'll love me. If I do more and I try harder, if I just set the alarm for 4 a.m. and just get up, then he'll love me. Wrong. Wrong. Jesus secured all the approval that you need, that you long for. It's settled. Quit thinking that what you do for him secures your relationship with him. What you do never keeps you in God's graces. His grace keeps you. Jesus keeps you. But so many of us don't understand grace, and therefore we have no peace. And that's why Paul started this letter by saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a two-sided coin. It's God's unlimited power, which is what Paul wants the Galatian churches to experience, but it's also God's unmerited favor given to sinners who deserve only the curse of the law. His unmerited favor. That means that you can't earn grace. You can't be good enough. You can't earn his love. But aren't we tempted to live and think that way? 
Some of you need a good dose of the gospel this morning. I know I do. Some of you need a good dose of grace because you have no peace in your life. You've been working hard, trying to earn and keep God's favor. You're exhausted from getting on the performance treadmill. Some of you have set up your little kingdoms of self where what you think, where you think what you do for God is what matters in the Christian life. You see, the ultimate religious guillotine is legalistic self-righteousness. If you are focused on keeping the rules, you'll behead the gospel. If you stroke your ego because you read the Bible more than anyone you know, because you pray for three hours a day, because you serve and you give, because you do blank, you fill in the blank. If you think that way, that you're better, and you've earned God's favor and love, then you need some grace this morning. He's not impressed with what you do for him. He's impressed with what his son has done for you. If you put others down because they aren't as spiritual as you, then you are disconnected from the gospel. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. No one in heaven is going to talk about how faithful you were with your quiet times. So put your guillotine away. You need some grace. Some of you need to be rescued daily from your little kingdom of self because the following things might be true of you. And I know that so many times they're true of me. So many times I have a distorted view of grace. Some of you, some of us, live with a vague sense of God's disapproval. You think that God is always frowning at you, that he's mad at you, that he's the grumpy dad. You think he's always mad and always let down. If you're a Christian, he's not mad at you anymore. He loves you. If you think that you always live with the sense of like, he's just so disappointed in me. I just can't do it. If you think that way, you don't understand grace. If you feel sheepish bringing your needs before him when you've just failed him. Okay, you blew it. You did that sin that you've done like 10,000 times, the one that you've repented of 10,000 times, and you come back to it again, and then you need to go to him and ask him for something, and you feel like you can't go to him because of what you've done. I can't come ask you for help because I did that thing I promised you 10,000 times I wouldn't do. If you think that way, you don't understand grace. If you feel you deserve an answer to prayer, because of your hard work and sacrifice. Or you get up and pray for two hours. You read Jeremiah in one sitting. You serve at church. You give. You do so much for him. So he owes you something. You don't understand grace. You're just building up your little kingdom of self. Self-righteousness. Which beheads the gospel. If you assume that you've sinned so many times that you've used up all your credit of forgiveness. You know, you sinned your sin. I mean, it's yours. You know, the one you love. You've sinned. So good at that sin. 
and you keep doing it over and over. And you think there's no way that God can forgive you. And you think, surely God, I've used up all my credit of forgiveness. This is 10,001 times that I'm repenting. Haven't I maxed out? If you feel that way, if you think that way, then you don't understand grace. You don't understand how beautiful the gospel is to God. How beautiful Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is to God. If you feel more confident before God, if you've been faithful with your quiet times and prayer and witnessing, you think you get a speed pass right to God. I've been doing my devotionals for two weeks straight. I've witnessed to people, I pray, and I just get to come right into your presence because of me, God. Aren't you impressed with me? Everybody else struggles to get up and read the Bible. Not me. I just get the speed pass right to you, God, because of my life, what I've done. If you think that way, you don't understand grace. You're just a glory thief. If you can't honestly say that you're blameless in his eyes right now, if you feel dirty, you feel like you have the mange, like you've got leprosy, and God looks at you and think, oh, he sees this dirty, rotten, filthy, putrid sinner. If you feel that way, you don't understand grace. He has covered you, Christian, with the righteousness of his son. When he looks at you, he doesn't see dirty, ugly sinner. He doesn't see guy who downloaded porn last week. He doesn't see guy that got drunk at the work picnic. He doesn't see parents who yelled at their kids after they read a nice little devotional about Jesus and then say, get to bed. He doesn't see that. He sees his son, Jesus. That's what he sees when he sees you. If you don't feel that, you don't see yourself as blameless in his eyes, you don't understand grace. If you fear that the day may not go as well as expected because you missed your quiet time, you know, you oversleep, you plan to get up and pray and read the word, you didn't have time, now your whole day is ruined. You're going to have a flat, going to work, you're going to get in a wreck, you're going to get fired, your house is going to burn down because you didn't do something in the morning. You're a glory thief. If you assume that you can do something to make him love you more or less, you don't understand grace. If you think your impressive, quiet time, devotional streak of like six months, haven't missed a day for two hours, if you think that that makes him love you more, you don't understand grace. And if you haven't prayed or read your Bible for six months, he doesn't love you any less. If you think that you can do something to make him love you more, or if you think if you don't do something, he will love you less, you do not understand grace. Many of us struggle with these things, and it's proof that we need to be rescued daily from our little kingdoms of self, because this is where we live. But the gospel comes to rescue us. Jesus comes to rescue us. The law comes and slams down on our hearts like a guillotine. The law comes down and slams on our hearts and exposes us for who we are. Glory thieves. We want the glory. We want the Christian life to be about us. The law comes and exposes that we have set up little kingdoms of self. Jesus comes to rescue us. Have you repented of your sins and trusted in him yet? 
do so today. Because you need him to be your redeemer, your rescuer for eternity. So do that today if you haven't. Because the curse of the law is on you if you haven't trusted in Jesus. And the executioner's acts of God's righteousness will land on you one day for eternity. So turn today and believe in him. He paid it all. If you're a Christian, Jesus comes not only to rescue you for eternity, he comes to rescue you every single day. Because every single day, you and I are building our little kingdoms of self and making everything in our life about us. He rescues us now, every day. Every day, Jesus is the great Redeemer who exposes and heals our selfish, legalistic hearts. Let's ask him to rescue us once again. Heavenly Father, how wonderful your love is. How wonderful the gospel is. How impressed you are with your son and his perfect life. Would you give us eyes to see, to believe the truth, to believe the great exchange, all of our sin and rebellion for his perfect life, his perfect record. Would you cause us to see that you love us, your children? Would you cause us to see and to begin to comprehend the love that you have for your son and how overwhelmed you are when you look at us, not because of our quiet times, because of how much we give and serve. You are overwhelmed, God, and impressed because you see your son and what he has done. Forgive us for being glory thieves, for making our our Christianity, for making our lives about us and not about your son. Come and set us free today. Oh God, may we fight off all the joy killers, all the thoughts that would say that we can earn our way to you. Would you come and let us rest in the freedom? Would you come now, Father, as the Galatians needed? We need it today. Would your grace fall like rain now as we focus on your son and on the gospel so that we can leave here today? full of your peace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.